LT, my friend, it's almost upon us. The last ever wellness summit in Melbourne. The last one ever? Well, definitely the last one for at least two years, LT. That's right, this year's Wellness Summit will be the last one for the foreseeable future in Melbourne. It will be the biggest, the greatest, the most inspiring, the most empowering summit that you've ever seen. The last one in Melbourne? That's right, LT. That's ridiculous. I can't believe my ears, but I guess if that's the case, then let's go to thewellnesssummit.com if you want to enter the code FINALMELBOURNE16. That's FINALMELBOURNE16 to get $100 off your regular price tickets. You get to enjoy two days of food, movement, and mindset on September 10th and 11th at the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Center. Hey, LT, did we say it's the last one? It's the last one in Melbourne. Oh, good. All right. I'm glad we told him. Hey, go to www.thewellnesssummit.com. Enter those codes. Save some money. See you at the summit. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by someone who I feel certain I've had on the show before, but we spoke off air and we can't remember whether we have or not, and we tried to Google and search for it, and we couldn't find it. So I have a feeling that this person is just so big in the paleo world, she comes into my sphere of influence so often on social media that I just think I've interviewed her when I haven't. Uh, anyway, welcome to the show, the owner, of Balance, uh, the owner and founder of Balance Bites. She's a certified nutrition consultant. New York Times best-selling author of Practical Paleo and the 21-Day Sugar Detox. She's co-author of Mediterranean Paleo Cooking, and she's a serial entrepreneur, business and marketing badass. I love that one, Diane. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Diane Sanfilippo. Thanks for having me. Perhaps thanks for having me back. We're not sure, but either way, really glad to sit down and chat with you today. It's so funny that neither of us are quite sure. But we both kind of have this recollection of chatting before, but maybe it wasn't even a podcast. I don't know what it was for, but we do have lots of friends in common and we've done lots of interviews, cross-pollinated lots of interviews and, and know lots of people in common. So I think that just happens sometimes, but yeah. great to have you on board. Nevertheless, Let, we'll move on. Um, you're busy, Diane, that you've got so many different strings to your bow with all the different books and programs and things you've been doing. It, it's fantastic. Um, but let's go, let's go right back to the start just in case we didn't do that mm-hmm. last time you know we'll make it brief just in case we did do it last time but but yeah. tell us your journey how did you get into paleo so i honestly i started teaching about paleo in i would say it was probably late 2010 or early 2011 uh, i think it was late 2010 so i was interested in nutrition for a long time and uh started studying holistic nutrition You know, I have a long backstory before I went to study nutrition, Um, but I went to study nutrition at a school here in the Bay Area. I live in San Francisco, and it was just over the bridge in Berkeley. It's called Bowman College. It's a two-year holistic nutrition program, and about halfway through the first year of that, in early 2010, I started doing CrossFit. And then I learned about paleo through a Rob Wolf seminar, which I'm sure, you know, For folks who were introduced back then, that was a pretty common introduction. (laughs) But nowadays, uh, you know, folks are finding all about paleo lots of different ways. So 
uh, learned about paleo that way. And it really just made sense to me because I remember when I was in nutrition school and just learning about, you know, gluten and, you know, problems with different foods for different people and learning about ways to support people's bodies naturally through nutrition for all different types of health challenges or diagnoses. I remember thinking to myself, you know, why don't we just eat like our ancestors? But I was thinking grandparents and great-grandparents. You know, I was thinking, well, my family's from Italy and Germany, and why don't we eat the way that, you know, my grandparents and great-grandparents ate? And so when I learned about paleo, it was just kind of this light bulb moment that maybe we should be thinking a little further back, and maybe we should be thinking about all of our ancestors, (laughs) not just, you know, a quick lineage. So that was really the light bulb moment for me. And you know, teachings in my blood, both of my parents were teachers at a time. My my uh, dad later went into sales and my mom had been a school teacher for many years until she retired not that long ago. And so, uh, you know, I worked with clients one-on-one for quite some time, but teaching, that's my cat who just took off in the background. I don't know if you heard that. I just fed him. He's a paleo kitty. So after he eats, he gets really excited. Um, it's like now the evening darting begins where he'll just... Can you hear that? Anyway, yep. it's like a small child, but I promise it's a 12-pound cat. Um, so I was teaching seminars because I really, you know, some folks do great in a one-on-one setting, and I just do better in a group setting. I do better when I'm, you know, standing in front of a group answering questions and teaching about a topic. And so I started teaching seminars and getting lots of questions pretty often that were the same. And at some point, you know, lots of bloggers and authors out there might have the same story uh, in this regard, but at some point you're answering the same question over and over again, and you need to have a better solution for how to answer it. And quite frankly, you know, my business and marketing background tells me that if I'm trying to solve problems for people, I can't expect it to be that I'm in a town that they're in, you know, (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm so sorry. My cat and dog literally ignore each other always. Like I don't think the dogs ever barked at the cat before, and today they decide to have an interaction. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. This oh is what podcasting's goodness. all about, right? We're like real me. and live. Harper, and you're ready. I can't even say it with a straight face because I'm just laughing that she's even barking <laughs> because she's the least vicious dog ever. Um, She's retreating to her little Betty. Okay, so <laughs> this, yeah, here we go. It's so it's, funny. Uh, you know, hopefully you won't is, edit. This is reminding He's- me one of my favorite podcast episodes we did, and I'm racking my brain trying to think who it was we were interviewing. And I bet it was Bill and Haley because their dog's a little crazy. It, it wasn't a dog in this instance. Oh, I was okay. thinking it, mate, but it was a cat. And someone who we were interviewing was actually, they'd kind of paused eating their dinner to do the interview. And so they had a steak sitting in front of them. And halfway through the interview, their cat stole their steak. And it was uh, priceless. It was like the most paleo interview To ever. be honest, that sounds like something my cat would do. So maybe <laughs> that was how we can find our first interview. It might be, but it, it was so it funny. It seriously sounds like something my cat would do. Plus, if it was this time it's dinner time here so yeah. perhaps it was me <laughs> we'll have to go last back and time search, that would be so funny uh, if that's true so anyway I was teaching seminars and I, I needed a better way to answer the questions because I couldn't get to every city I couldn't teach a seminar to everyone and so rather than teach a seminar it was like let's let's get this into a book you know um and so wrote the book and I have a background in, you know, I've been cooking all my life and uh, had a meal business many years ago. That's where the name Balance Bites came from. And so I had a foundation for some recipes with the meal business. And, uh, you know, I had been cooking for a long time. So I wanted to create a resource for people that had 
a lot about the why, like how food should work in your body, not just an indefensive paleo type of book. Like that's not really what practical paleo is. It's really more uh, just talking about how food should work in your body, how your digestion should work, how your blood sugar regulation should be. And if it's not operating at, you know, full capacity, the foods I propose that you eat to help get yourself there. Uh, And then meal plans that have some clinical application as well as at this point, over 150 recipes. So it's kind of like a one-stop shop. Lots of folks refer to it now as the Paleo Bible. I did not name it that, but that's what people call it. So we've, you know, slapped that on the back cover of the new version of the <laughs> nice. book because it's it's pretty cool. I mean, I you know, I'm honored that people feel that way. And I feel like it's kind of the book of the community, you know. I think um, lots of folks know me, but actually far more people have the book than have any idea who I am, which is totally fine with me. You know, yeah, it's it's a great book. It is one of those books that's just such a wonderful resource because it's not just about the recipes, is it? Like, there's so much more information in there. Yeah, and I think um, you know, even for the people who've been eating paleo for a long time, even when I first released it in 2012, you know, now it's four years later. When I first released it, I was trying to explain to folks, you know, if you've been eating this way for a while, I'm still going to teach you something about how your body should be working because there's so much information in the book. I cram so much in there. It's not just, you know, why not to eat greens or why, you know, dairy might be bad for some people. It's not that type of book. Uh, so, you know, I'm I'm really excited about the update because now it's even it's even more relevant and just kind of I'm more proud of it if that's possible. I just feel really excited. That is very exciting. Well, before we get into the new book and the updates of the new book, I'd love to go right back to the start with you. You know, you mentioned that you had sort of a background in cooking and you'd done meal planning stuff. What was it that got you so interested in food and cooking and nutrition in the first place? So, I'm interested in food and cooking while I love to eat. So, (laughs) uh, you know, I grew up in a house where probably from – sun up to sundown, somebody was cooking, whether it was my mom or my dad or both of them. So, you know, that's the house that I grew up in. I grew up with, you know, tomato sauce simmering on the stove, my mom trying to make soup and like not doing so great at it, but trying. And, you know, um, my mom was not the Italian one. People always joke, you know, oh, you have this Italian mom. I do not. My mom's German. (laughs) My dad's Italian. Uh, And so I grew up with food, cooking, you know, my parents just kind of learning by uh, their example in in that regard. But uh, in terms of like when I got excited about nutrition and health, there were a couple of moments for me that were pretty pivotal. One was after college, I remember going to a doctor's appointment where, you know, the nurse came in and just kind of like took my vitals. You know, she took my blood pressure and put me on the scale. And she said something to me about my weight. And she said something to me about portion control. I honestly, it was so long ago now. I don't remember exactly what she said. It was just the first time anybody had ever said anything like that to me before. And it was kind of jarring. And I I really didn't know what to do about it. Like, I remember at the time going out for dinner with my then boyfriend. I mean, this is literally probably 20 years ago or almost. I remember, you know, sitting down to a burger and fries and like dismantling, well, this is some bread and some meat and some potatoes. And like, I couldn't conceptualize how that food was affecting my body and what to change. 
I think at the time I knew maybe don't eat quite so much pasta. You know, like it, it just, I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. Um, but I was trying something and, you know, little by little, I tried a lot of different things. And I mean, we could talk about that if you want, but I don't know. I think it's kind of boring. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but when I got excited about nutrition and how it can impact health outside of weight loss was, you know, it's funny because a lot of people in the States have their take on Dr. Oz, who I don't know if you know, but yeah, he's yeah. like... The, we get, we get him down here in like yeah. daytime TV. Yeah. Okay, cool. So people have their take and, you know, I... I only have a positive feeling despite the fact that they're, you know, who knows what can be on the show from time to time. But he was on an episode of the Oprah Winfrey show, which that was my sort of form of church for my most <laughs> of my life. Um, watching that show was really uplifting for me and very motivating. And there was an episode where he talked about blueberries and the antioxidant power of blueberries and how that can help prevent cancer. Now, like, we're not trying to draw a line from eating blueberries to mm -hmm. curing anything, but literally just I'd never heard anything like that before and hearing that the way that we eat specifically not just you know not smoking or not just not mm. eating fast food but positive things about the food that we choose and what we put in our body might have an effect on us not developing cancer and my dad's side of the family cancer was running rampant in that side of the family and so uh, for me that was a big light bulb because it was an empowering message it was, you know, there is something that you can do, even if you can't do everything, there's something you can do. And mm. that's really where I've gotten myself to at this point is that I feel like my mission is to empower people through better food choices, as well as a lot of other factors in their lives. But I think that, you know, it's where I'm at right now with nutrition. It's, you know, this is what people know me for now. But I think that as time moves on, uh, just a sense of empowerment and enabling uh, people to feel like they can lead their lives in a way that they want to, like, that's really where my mission is, I think. Um, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about your study, Diane, because many people in Australia uh, are interested in food and interested in nutrition, and I constantly have people say, well, look, I'd really love to study this, and I'd like to study it in depth, you know, not just like an online course, but I'd really like to go to university and really, you know, delve deep into this, but I don't want to go do the dietitian's course because mm -hmm. it just doesn't resonate with what I believe right. about food. Um, so tell me about your holistic nutrition course and, and how, what sort of content you were taught and how that was for you. So I went through the same exact process here where, you know, I wanted to study nutrition. I knew I wanted to help people, but I, not only did I not want to learn the standard, you know, dietitian curriculum, <laughs> you know, I, not only did I not want to learn that, but I didn't want to work in a hospital. Like that's yeah. what I do. You would have to do. Yeah. And I was like, that's not who I want to work with. I want to work as much as possible in either preventative or, uh, in this, you know, what can I do for myself setting versus the now I'm now I'm sick and I feel like I need a pill or whatever the case may be. Not that, you know, prescriptions don't have their place. Yeah. But um, so I looked around and the way that I selected a school, which I don't know what's available to you guys down uh, down under. <laughs> I don't know. That's so corny to say. It's totally it OK. Really We're totally yeah. OK with that. OK. I'm, we're not okay with people calling San Francisco San Fran or Frisco. So just so you guys know, Got it. Um, <laughs> it's, 
it's San Francisco or SF. But anyway, uh, I looked at the curriculum because I know that the way that I learn best is when I'm engaged with the content that I'm learning. And so, you know, I, I read the curriculum for a few different programs and then it came down to honestly, I do best in a classroom. I do best teaching in a classroom when I can have people in front of me. I do best learning in a classroom when I can ask questions of the teacher as we're going through and something comes up. Because I think, you know, people learn differently. But for me, it's about that interaction and the, you know, you're teaching me something and there are more thoughts coming into my head as I'm learning. Like that's what happens in my brain. I try and make connections. I try and think how does this apply to me? What you know, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. And, you know, is there something I need clarified? And so for me, having a classroom setting was probably one of the most important aspects. So I think it's important for people to consider that, you know, how do you learn best? If you learn best through reading, then you probably don't need a classroom setting. But if you learn best through interaction, through, uh, you know, now we have obviously so many things that can be done via video and, you know, pictures and sound in that way. But I think I still would need to be present and be in a classroom. I think that for me that that interaction is invaluable. So, you know, that's how I ended up choosing where I was going. And I think that's important for people to hear because people ask, you know, where did you go? And I think everyone needs to choose based on what's going to work for them in that way. Yeah. But the curriculum that we studied was, you know, similar to the way that I teach in practical paleo and the way that I teach in general, it's here's how the different functions in the body should work. Um, and here are clinical applications when they're not. And, and that's really a lot of what we learned. You know, we learned more than what I can translate into something that makes sense for a book like Practical Paleo, but everything from the basics of macronutrients and micronutrients, um, what they do, deficiency issues with them, balancing macronutrients, um, uh, detoxification, uh, literally all of the meal plans in Practical Paleo, like the categories of meal plans that I have in there, we studied all of that, all of those uh, clinical issues in my program. Mm. Uh, I worked with clients, probably, probably at least one client in every aspect. Uh, like if I look at now there's 14 different plans, but there were 11 originally, I probably had had at least one client who those meal plans fit. And then I was working with when I was working one-on-one -on -one with folks, uh, some of them more than one for sure. But those are the types of things that we learned. We learned the biochemistry of, you know, liver detox pathways. We learned how our body metabolizes different foods. Um, we learned really from that perspective. And it wasn't about uh, propaganda of what the government's saying we need to eat. It wasn't about any of that. It was really more this th basic biochemistry of, yeah. of how, you know, what we're putting in our mouth, what it's doing in the body and how it's affecting us. And, and then some other environmental factors, you know, it, it was a holistic program. So we talked about things like environmental toxins, you know, heavy metals and pollution and plastics and, all of that stuff, um, as well as mindset and uh, the way that we move our body as well to some degree. So, you know, when I talk about meal plans in the book, I'm really not even talking about the calendar of what to eat each day. I'm really talking about the holistic approach of what to add and avoid to your life and your diet. Like, to me, that's the most important part that people read. Here's what I want you to add and here's what I want you to avoid. And I even get into in these plans like toxic relationships and people. You know, I, I bring that up in these plans, because, you know, I bring up things like uh, heavy metals, uh, mercury amalgams in our teeth that perhaps 
younger folks don't have, but those of us who are probably over 30 have plenty of or had (laughs) at some point in time. So, um, you know, talking about a lot of different elements that go into our health, not just food. Yeah, and it is. It's so great to have that holistic approach and to look at, you know, I always think of it looking at physiology, you know, how the body works when it's working right rather than just focusing on what happens when it goes wrong because so much of our medical system is based around what happens when it goes wrong and how do we fix it rather than what happens when it goes right and how do we create it. Um, Mm -hmm. How do we support it back to that? And also, you know, I will say this too, it's getting away from nutritionism as much as possible, which is, I, I don't know if Michael Pollan coined that term, but you know, so many people want to ask me questions about minutia of one yeah. food or another. What do you think of this food or that food? And of course, there are some that I have strong opinions about. And sometimes, sometimes people say, what do you think about this? And I say, I don't think about it. Like, <laughs> I have no opinion because I just don't yeah. think about it. Like, what do you think about, the, you know, either goat milk or sheep milk, whatever. I'm like, I don't think anything. Like, you yeah. try it. But I've got nothing to say about that. Now, if you want to ask me, what do you think about, um, you know, feedlot cow dairy versus grass-fed cow dairy? Now I've got something to say. But, you know, when you're talking about, like, whether this grass-fed dairy is better than that, I don't know. You have to tell me if it's what's better for you because mm. we're different and, you know, they work differently in the body. So, you know, I'm definitely a macro level, not macronutrient, but, like, yeah. high level what's going in more so than the minutia of, oh, you should – take out 20 grams of this or that from your diet. Like, I think yeah. that that's I'm with not you, where the magic is. I'm with you, Diane. I'm with you. It's, you know, keep it simple and, and eat some real food. You know, it's, <laughs> it, the, the, I think most of the results people get are from doing the simple things really well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the 80%, 20% rule, like, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's get into talking about the second edition of Practical Paleo because that's super exciting. As I said, it's a fabulous book. It's a book that I own and love, uh, but it's being updated, which is really exciting. So tell people about the different <laughs> sections you've got. What, what do you cover in your new book? So the new book has like the heart of the original, but it's it feels like a brand new book to me, even though it obviously has the essence where it looks the same. Um I I really wanted it to be as relevant today as it was, you know, four years ago and for the last several years. I know that when people picked it up then, it was like, this has everything I need. Hmm. But there are a lot of questions that have come up in the last several years. And there's some uh, health issues that haven't necessarily come up. Obviously, they've always been there. But some things that I didn't address in the first edition that I did address in this one. And so um, in terms of questions that I'm answering differently you know, there's a lot of confusion around carbohydrates, and I have a whole chapter now clearing up carb confusion. I have a whole chapter on living a paleo lifestyle, which includes covering uh, conversations that people are having <laughs> between friends and family who are interested in going paleo and how to help them, as well as nice. people who are not supportive. And I I break down, I can't remember how many expressions I want to say. It's somewhere between three and five. I'd I'd have to open the book. Anybody who's written a book, you kind of like block out what you wrote (laughs) until you have to look at it again because you're just, it's a little bit of a painful experience. It's not a complaint. It's just how it is. Um, Like they say women block out how painful childbirth was. And it's very, very similar from what I've heard of my mother author friends. So anyway, um, but I go through literally what somebody might say to you. And then I translate it into what that actually means and then also into what you can say in response or how you can sort of, uh, 
you know, prevent that from happening, conversations that you can have and give you some ideas about how to talk about things. And a lot of that ends up focusing on um, kind of what we were just saying instead of like, I feel like the arguments come up a lot where someone says, well, that's not healthy or, you know, aren't you going to have a heart attack with all those egg yolks or, you know, you don't have celiac. Why are you avoiding gluten or what have you? You know, people want to argue about this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I always tell people at the core to come back to focusing on how you feel with the changes that you're making because people can't argue with you saying you feel better. Absolutely. Like, that's really at the core of it. And so, but I give you this language and I think it's going to really open people's eyes up. And part of that's because I have, I don't know, there, part of my innate skill set is a bit of emotional intelligence. Like I can read between the lines. I can watch people say things. I can see what's on their face. I know that they're feeling heated and I know it has nothing to do with me. It only <laughs> has to do with how they feel about themselves, how they feel about their choices, how they feel about their beliefs. And um, so, you know, I'm breaking that down in the book, giving people a guide to starting paleo, like for whatever reason, <laughs> I haven't done that before. And so, if people want to go zero to 60, you know, overnight and they want to make the switch right away, sure, go ahead. If people want to take it in five steps and say, you know what, this week right. I'm going to focus on one thing at a time, what's the most important thing to focus on? And if they don't even make it past step one, at least I've gotten them to do that. And just for a teaser, this first step is to make an oil change because I think regardless of whether you're going to eat meat or not, whether you're going to eat grains or not, I think getting the poor quality uh, man-made hydrogenated vegetable oils out of the diet is the most important thing for everyone. So that's the, yeah. do, you know, it doesn't matter what you're eating, but I want people to not be eating that stuff nice. uh, regardless of their diet. And so, you know, really walking people through that, giving people more information on uh, how to reintroduce foods through the four-hour protocol, which has always been in the book. Uh, people know paleo as an elimination, but a standard elimination diet includes a minimum of four steps, it's removing offending foods, then uh, uh, repairing the gut lining, re-inoculating, and then reintroducing foods. And a lot of times we go from removing to reintroducing, which can work just fine for a lot of people. But there are a lot of people that feel that they're not tolerating certain foods. But if we do some work in between there to repair the gut lining and re-inoculate, we might be able to tolerate foods that we wouldn't otherwise if we just jump from remove to reintroduce. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, that's stuff that that's all from my holistic nutrition background. That's not based on anything that's specific to paleo. This is this is general, you know, nutrition knowledge. Uh, and so just fleshing that out a little bit further, it was always in the book, but I think folks didn't see it because it was wrapped into a one-page guide, and I really wanted to uh, make that a little bit more noticeable. So I, there's more to say. I know where we have not <laughs> oh, that long but… It's great. Um, These all sound like awesome additions to the book. Like the book seemed totally complete before. Um, but as you say these things, I'm like, yeah, that is such a great one because I get asked, they're just all questions that I get asked all yeah, and a the lot time. For, for the folks who have been doing this for a long time, right? Because people who are new, the first edition would still be totally fine for them. But yeah. I wanted to continue to support people who did already eat paleo. Mm. I'm just going to be really quick about the other updates. There's three new meal plans. They're not for necessarily diagnosed health conditions the way that the original plans were, but I have a plan for adrenal health and stress management. That's just the number one thing people have asked me about. I've got one for healthy hormones for both men and women, Christ. as well as for liver detox support, which I think is going to be a topic we hear more and more about going forward. All three of those are just general kind of holistic health issues that any naturopath is going to talk about all of those, mm. but most, you know, 
standard uh, medical doctors are not talking about that stuff. And so um, covering that for the people who don't have, you know, they don't have diabetes, but they're not feeling great. What's wrong? And maybe they need to read up on how to handle themselves with uh, stress management. And then I've added 40 new recipes to the book and kicked out some, just a few of the old ones that were maybe a little less stellar um, and have re-photographed almost the entire book. So it honestly, if you have the old one and the new one and you flip through it, you're like, this doesn't, it feels like it's kind of the same book, but it looks totally different. Nice. Well, I have got the old yeah, one. Crazy. I haven't got the new one yet, but it's well, just no, it's just really gone onto the yet. it's yeah. just gone onto the ordering list. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll definitely have Grab to get hold of it. Grab a hardcover edition. I promise yeah. you'll be in love with it. It sounds like what we need to do. Now we're almost out of time, but before we do, I'd love to talk to you just a little bit about some of your other books. Um, the Mediterranean Paleo Cooking. That just mm-hmm. sounds like something that. So many people would be after, you know, so many people who come from a Mediterranean background um, Mm -hmm. where food is such an important part of the culture um, and often part of that is foods that aren't necessarily paleo um, Mm -hmm. and they can find it challenging sometimes to change into a paleo way of eating um, because of some of that history and tradition and and perhaps family expectation. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, this sounds like this would be a great book to help those people. Yeah, for sure. So um, I, I'm a co-author on that book. And so the recipes and the concept and all of that is developed by uh, Caitlin Weeks and Nabil Boomer, who are husband and wife. They're good friends of mine from here in San Francisco. They live in Nashville, Tennessee now. Uh, but Caitlin is a nutrition consultant like I am. And her husband is uh, a trained chef and was working as a chef for a long time. And he's from Algeria. Uh, his family is still mostly there. And the recipes in the book are really his family recipes, but translated into something that's paleo. And a lot of them are naturally paleo friendly. So lots Mm -hmm. of tagines, lots of, uh, you know, family style, slow cooked, big pot, put it down on the table. Uh, You know, he'll tell stories about how all of his sisters, I I feel like his, the count of siblings that he has makes up about a soccer team. So (laughs) like you were saying, really family oriented, but a bunch of the dishes in the book named for his sisters where like each night of the week, a different sibling would be cooking and it would be whatever her favorite dish was. She's going to cook it, make it family style. It's going in a pot on the table and everybody's going to eat from that pot. And so a lot of the recipes in there are not only just one pot, but slow cooker friendly, which is really popular. Most people are like, let me just put this in here before I go to work and then deal with it when I come home. Um, but we're taking, you know, some some new and interesting flavors to lots of folks who started cooking when they went paleo and introducing that. And I think people will find some of it familiar from food that they've eaten at Mediterranean restaurants. And some of it might not seem familiar as you're making it, but when you eat it, you it's just I don't know, the flavors are just kind of a a party and an explosion and you realize that you love cinnamon cooked with beef and you didn't know that you did until you... Until you made one of these recipes. I I reckon it seems like it's the kind of recipes that you feel like your grandma's just cooked you a beautiful meal, you know? 100%. (laughs) Lots of broth or or cuts of meat with the bone in cooked in some liquid so that it kind of makes its own broth at the same time if you don't use broth. And this really... I don't know, hearty, delicious, kind of soul-warming food. All right. Now, in like a minute or less, Diane, what do people expect if they do the 21-day sugar detox? (laughs) Well, if they're drinking alcohol every night, they can expect to be really angry with me that I've taken it. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, Uh, they can expect to feel a transition whether you eat paleo now or not. 
it changes your palate for sure. You can expect foods that didn't taste sweet to you to now taste sweet. You can expect to not have to reach for that sweet treat all the time. And a lot of people feel like they need either as a pick-me-up or after every single meal. And you can expect to know where sugar is hiding, sometimes even in paleo-friendly foods that you you know, didn't realize you were eating these sweeteners. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Diane, um, or coming back. I'm not sure which it was, but, <laughs> but it was great either way. Um, I look forward to seeing the new book. It sounds amazing. It sounds like an even more complete uh, than the last one, which is, which is a pretty amazing effort. So well done, and thanks okay. for coming on. Thanks so much. So for everyone who wants to find Diane, uh, if you head to her website, balancedbites.com, you can find out all her information. It'll also link you through to all of her social media. But she's on Facebook as the Diane Sanfilippo and Instagram as diane.practicalpaleo. Um, so you can find out all about her, follow her online as I do, um, and get lots of more great information. So thanks again, Diane. Um, for everyone else, until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.